hello. Welcome to episode 300 of Sack King's Therapy. Now, I wanted to come up with a special episode to celebrate our 300th episode. Um, I wanted to do maybe a retro breakdown, but there just wasn't a game that I could come up with that honestly intrigued me all that much. So instead, we're going to... And we're going to do some cookie cutter stuff, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately. We're going to do the draft, uh, the, the upcoming draft. We're going to look at some draft prospects, get that ball rolling, and we'll see, like, where this takes us. And whether or not, like, you know, the Kings will even use the pick, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of possibilities. Uh, but let's get the ball rolling. Uh, episode 300, it is, a, it is a new era, if you will. Um, the Kings... They have a they don't have a lottery pick. There's a lot of options. There are a lot of intriguing guys. And of course, with me to go over a lot of these guys is Fong. Hello. Um yeah, so I told you to look at three guys. Um we I won't we won't gonna get too deep into it just yet, but uh I guess out of the three, like do, do any of them pique your interest? I'd say two of the three that we've gone over or like that we have uh with that um kind of pe- my interest in some ways it they have different positions of course that uh may you know benefit the kings but i guess we'll have to see how it'll f- i wouldn't say i want i, I want to say the word fit because i i know fit <laughs> will be uh the f word yeah, it would be very nice for the Kings, but at this point of time, I think we just have to go for the best available, which... Oh, you know. So, yeah, that was actually going to be my question. Sorry for cutting you off, but, like, that was going to be my question to you. Like, you know, just looking at some of these guys and, like, you know, again, this is the first time in almost two decades where the Kings are not in the lottery. And when you're in the lottery, more or less, you should always go for the seat, the highest ceiling guy. You should take a swing as opposed to going with the safe pick, going with the fit pick. So in this, so in this case, like we got the twenty fourth pick. Like, would you prioritize fit over talent or potential, or would you go the other way, where you pick potential over fit? it's tough because 24 is kind of in that area where it could be an anomaly for a lot of these guys. Um, But uh, I would say potential for now because yeah, 24 is kind of, kind of smack in the middle in some ways of, uh, you know, I don't know how, uh, these guys would, uh, you know, not benefit, but I guess move on from the Kings or something like that. I don't know. So my the thing with this is that I I rather I I'm with you. I rather just go for potential because I don't want to get stuck in that weird, um, like phantom zone where you pick a guy for fit and it just ends up he's not good enough. Or not even not good enough. Like you're you're just not gonna play him much. Cause like the Kings rotation, it's a pretty tight rotation. Like we saw guys like Terrence Davis, um, like who was was another one, like Rashawn Holmes, for example. Very good players for the most part, like decent players, but they couldn't get on the court. 
And like Namias Keita couldn't get on the court because he wasn't ready. And like in order to get like experience, like for a young guy, you need to be able to play. And to see that those guys don't get minutes really much at like consistently at all makes me fear like, you know, this guy's just gonna be confined to the bench. And like if you're going with the safe pick, like it's hard to really be able to find a real NBA ready guy at the 24. It might be easier sometimes, but like a lot of the times, like a lot of them just like most guys around that range aren't like you know true like nba like they're like you know no no offense to you guys they're they're not as good for for the most part a lot of the time and most of them aren't gonna be good enough to justify playing them in the rotation over an established veteran so i'd rather just go for the potential and just like you know if this guy doesn't play like have him learn on the job squeeze some minutes in there and like you you can slowly develop him Mm-hmm. oh yeah and also i think it like the kings i think have you know gone for fit so often now like at a certain point they should really go for a project in my opinion like i was rooting for them to take shade and sharp like in the keegan draft and like my reasoning was like look you, you already like whiffed on a lot of these projects like or you already whiffed on a lot of these safe picks like you know, it's time to just mix it up, but who knows? Well, I'd rather go for potential, but we'll see what the Kings actually do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to be going over three players. Uh, we're I plan to be doing three players each uh, episode. We'll see how many episodes we actually do. But uh, the so the three players we're going to be three players we're going to be going over are Chris Murray, Kobe Bufkin, and Kobe Jones. Uh, so let's start, uh, with what has basically been kind of the, what I feel is the lazy, (laughs) is a lazy projection that Chris Murray will go to, uh, Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah, so he's a 6'8 wing. He plays for the Iowa, um, Iowa State, yeah, Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, he averaged 20 points, uh, seven rebounds and two assists. Um, and to compare really quickly, let's uh, check Keegan's stats real quick. Pull them up. Should should have pulled them up. Uh, I had the chance. But what what are your what were your thoughts on uh, Chris Murray? In a lot of ways, he is very similar to Keegan. I would say, with a few caveats, of course. Um, let's talk about his shooting. I guess. I mean, his shooting is pretty smooth, in my opinion, but. I would say it's a little slower than Keegan's in in some ways. What do you think? It, I like it's fine. Like it's not it's not as smooth as Keegan's. <laughs> it's unfortunate we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna be saying this a lot. He he a lot of the things he does is very similar to Keegan, but slightly worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you also noticed that he's left-handed and Keegan is right-handed, but they're both use their left hand for everything else yeah uh, i know but it's it's a weird thing usually that doesn't end well for the for the people who shoot the other shoot with the other hand but keegan's a legit shooter so what the hell do i know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so okay for a quick comparison if you remember okay i'll read out chris's stats so 20 20.2 points 7.9 rebounds and two assists keegan in college or in his second year averaged 23 8.7 rebounds uh was it 1.5 assists so even lower and uh 
yeah, th those are the basic stats um, if you want to compare them. So, so Keegan, Keegan, like a better score, um, but uh, Chris is a better passer, I guess, although it's like very marginal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess first thought, well, we already said our first thoughts, but um, I don't know. I, I can't see ourselves going for another Keegan-like player. <laughs> like in Chris in some ways because I mean it'd be nice if Chris would come off the bench as like Keegan oh, oh is... mother he ain't he ain't he ain't starting Chris no. ain't starting no he's no he's not gonna touch that starting lineup it's just gonna be kind of weird you know when Keegan goes to the bench and we bring out Chris it's just gonna be a somewhat identical uh you know position just for him throughout the whole game swapping both of them back and forth but it's like do we need <laughs> that kind of i guess player i mean to a certain degree i would argue we do like we need wings you know like the, mm -hmm. the kings have always lacked in wings especially if you're going to lose harrison barnes like you need another kind of wing size guy and you know keegan does a lot of the good does a lot of things the kings need and you know, duplicating him isn't the worst part, albeit a bit of a slightly worse version. Like, he, he has, Chris has a lot of good things, but it is just, it's really hard to get away from comparing him to Keegan. And again, he is basically a slightly worse version of him. Yeah. So, I mean, mostly overall, I guess he has a lot of good positives. <clears throat> um, definitely some negatives that don't seem too bad i'd say so here's how like so let, let's start with some of the offensive stuff that he does so like i i profile him as like a physical driver that just kind of you know it gets right to it right to business doesn't do a lot of like the dribbling like you know sh use like you know crazy crossovers or like has a lot of shake he just kind of gets down to business and just kind of tries to bull his way to the rim the way i describe it is that he basic basically imagine you just start out as a, as a small forward in 2k you don't have a lot of speed you're not all that strong and you basically just try to bowl your way to the to the rim and you, you hold down the sprint button and try to drive to the rim and then you basically press the lay, press the button for a layup and you hope for the best that's kind of what, how i profile a lot of his driving a lot mm. of his drives yeah a decent amount of spin moves and pivots and you know some some pump fakes as well when he was driving but it seems like oh uh, like he's also a smart cutter in a lot of ways too um what do you think of his uh catch and shooting his catch and shoot again I do, like his form is all right there's not enough dip and it feels like he doesn't really utilize his like lower body as well as uh, Keegan. Like there's something about the form. I can't really put my finger on what it is, but it just feels like it's very robotic. If that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah, I can't really tell. I guess mm, all I could say it's definitely a slow. Um, I guess uh, kind of form for his uh, shooting, but. I mean, in terms of his uh, catch and shooting, I mean, uh, 39.9% this year, it's it's okay. But uh, whatchamacallit, in his previous years, he was 39.3%, but it's, you know, of course, a smaller sample size, I guess you could say. 
So I could see it improving if he puts in the work, I guess. But yeah, and like I think it could be a thing. I don't think it will. But then again, I thought Keegan. I I didn't think Keegan's shooting was real, but he's a legit shooter. So again, mm-hmm. like there's like there's no way we can like perfectly project everything. But I don't think he's going to be as good of a shooter as Keegan is. Oh yeah, but definitely in terms of physicality, driving to the rim, I'd say he's a lot better to Keegan in a lot of ways. It's just, you know, I don't know how that would be translated into the NBA, to be honest. So, yeah, that's the tricky part because in college, Keegan was a very physical driver as well. And, you know, he struggled to kind of, he struggled to like straight finish over guys. And Chris has the same issue where he can get to the rim, but once he gets to the rim, it's a bit of an adventure. As As I mentioned, he kind of just holds down right trigger and just tries to bowl his way to the rim. But when he gets there, it's not if he can't get a clean look, it can look really ugly with just because he doesn't have a lot of verticality to, to just power through guys. And so what ends up happening is like it's usually like really ugly finish with no call or like an ugly like he throws a really ugly shot. And, you know, you hope to get a foul call, basically. Yeah, he, he barely gets off the ground. I notice in terms of like, uh, you know, getting to the rip or like jumping up game to rim or even try to get a pass it seems like like you said the verticality is not there yeah yeah not a very not a very explosive athlete by any means no and neither is keegan i'd say in a way but i mean maybe with time we'll see more of that so uh you know talk about a little the, the explosiveness or like the lack of or the lack of real you know ex athlete like traditional athleticism one thing I do notice, he he kind of is a like better inside player than Keegan, I think. Or, or like again, it's hard to project like what it will look like in the NBA. But one thing I feel he is actually better than Keegan at. I think he is better than Keegan on defense. Do you, is that something that's that I'm kind of crazy for? I mean, like we've always said, it's tough for it to translate to the NBA. But in terms of what we've seen in the college uh highlights it seems that way <laughs> um but i mean he does uh sit to a lot of guys on the 1v1 uh, type situations and iowa does uh do a lot of full court presses um that uh, uh they could create turnovers off of so mm-hmm. i mean it seems like he could be a decent rotational um defender overall i guess you could say but yeah like like we said, it's it's hard to determine if that will even translate to the NBA, especially with how the Kings uh, defense overall have been uh, going around. But I, I I guess, yeah, in a way, in that 1v1 situation, he's slightly better. Yeah, like, of course, like watching highlights for the most part, like I couldn't re- I couldn't watch the full game. But like, I feel he's pr- pretty good at moving his feet. He's physical. He's very long. Like, again, a lot of it is like Keegan, but I feel like he has just better lateral quickness and seemingly almost better instincts to a certain degree. Although that will have to be tested. And like Keegan got tested on that front, you know, this year. So I don't know how that specifically translates, but he has a good feel on the defensive end, I feel. And he and he has like really good length, just like Keegan. And but I feel Chris uses it more. Hmm. I see. 
Yeah, I guess we'll have to see because he does have a six what six eleven wingspan. Oh uh, yeah, six ten, six eleven, which is which is good, but it, like you know, it could be longer. But you know, that's that's you know, picking a straws there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean a little nitpicky. He is also good at chasing guys around screens for a guy that's not like you know crazy like mobile and like and like I've noticed this is a really stiff upper body. It feels like it feels like his upper body is like not detached from the, like the like the rest of his body but it feels like his his like upper body feels stiff but like his lower body kind of almost has a mind of its own to a certain degree <laughs> and like he can kind of sneak around screens for like a guy that big and you know he uses like good technique like to get around screens as well and uses his length to bother guys so that's interesting like the like again, a lot of stuff he just kind of is a poor man's version of, of Keegan. But like I feel the defense, he actually has an edge. Hmm. I see. Yeah. I guess we'll see how it translates. Yeah. So uh, again, I hate to do this, but like he basically is a worse version of his brother. And uh, like offensively in just about every way, but he has the same flaws as his brother is the issue like not very explosive um you know not very like yeah yeah not very explosive not a great finisher and not like doesn't have like a a really like really much of a handle at all like just kind of tries to bull his way to the rim and overpower you know inferior college players so like that's going to be tough to translate to the league but you know he's a smart player and he just like his brother like as long as he doesn't have to dribble i feel really good about just what he's gonna be Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i mean most likely he won't be the ball handler at all which yeah i hope he's not but yeah in terms of um you know the basic role player i mean it's pretty much a slot in for sure so like you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll come back to this like at the end as well. But right now, would you pick him with the 24th pick? Mm, this is in terms of, I think this kind of pick is more of fit in some ways, not potential, because, you know, Chris is also the same age as Keegan. Um, so the potential, I don't know what his ceiling is really it seems like it's a lot smaller than keegan in my opinion but in turn it's he's more of a fit pick in my opinion if uh we're gonna go that route and i don't think also that we should be going for chris unless we are going for fit yeah i agree i'm on the same wavelength as you like i'll be honest not a fan of his game and look this might not be popular i laughed way too much like watching some of his tape where Mm. he just tried to bull his way to the rim and it just turns into these ugly ass finishes um i i don't i i don't love his game and granted i didn't love keegan's game last year (laughs) like again like keegan being able to shoot is what is what was the difference that i did not see but like Ultimately, yeah, it's it's to me, it's going to be a fit pick. There's not a lot. I don't think there's a high ceiling for him unless he can kind of re rework a lot of his like shooting mechanics. Because I, I don't know what I don't know if you saw the video um, Adam Spinella did on him, the boxing one. Like they talk about his square form and 
how there's not a lot of potential if he keeps the square form to be able to shoot off movement like like Keegan does. So like mm-hmm. he'll be purely a spot up guy, which that limits his potential, but like a lot. And yeah, like I personally would just go for a different pick if he were still available. However, from what I've kind of read, he projects anywhere from 14 to 24. Oh yeah. He he's a pretty yeah, pretty high pick and I I wouldn't be surprised in some ways if uh some teams would uh pick him that high to be honest just cuz of uh you know because yeah, I mean he's pretty much yeah almost an identical clone to Keegan just as like he says slightly worse form and and his archetype is what is what the the NBA is going towards like you know a wing that can do a lot of things and then potentially you know grow into that like high end like 3 and D guy who you know with some size and you know you can't play off the floor for the most part mm-hmm. yeah in my opinion if we do pick him up i mean it'd be pretty cool to see a an actual twin playing in the same team uh <laughs> especially for the Sacramento Kings, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I I just can't see, an, yeah, another Keegan uh, going off the floor. Yeah, I, again, I, I do like him. I know I've been very negative on him, but, like, if he can just work on some things, like, you know, improve the shooting a little bit, add a bag, <laughs> like, add a handle, like I think this could be a very good player, but as of right now, I I prefer to go over someone that is actually a bit more polished than Keegan or mm. and Chris in this case. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Maybe Chris <laughs> will be the better Murray in the next few years. Look, a lot of these things are just projection. Like, and I've not been good at drafting. I mean, I wanted James Booknight a few <laughs> years ago. Yeah, and you know, last year I, I, I mean, last year I did not want Keegan. I think I wanted Shane Sharp, which. You know that that's fine. Like Shane Sharp is going to be really good. We'll, we'll see what he turns into. But I've not been good with drafts. Like I'll be the first to admit. Oh no! I mean, I'm just going with the flow and uh, hope hoping that Monty, you know, makes the right choices for us. And so far, he has, of course. So, I mean, yeah, we'll just have to see. And I will say one thing about the way that Monty um, drafts. Like I, I've listened to ESPN 1320. Monty goes for guys that are more solid and like you you know he's going to be able to do this or that specifically like with Davion he knows he's going to be able to play defense with Keegan like he knows he has good feel and is able to going to fit into an offense right away like he doesn't take giant risk with uh, like with giant unknowns like he again like he didn't pick Shane Sharp the main reason why we didn't have any we didn't have any like real tape on him like against you know comparable uh competition mm-hmm. so like monty monty and, and our front office likes to go for the the known commodities and that kind of actually leads me to maybe him picking um chris if he's available but at the same time like you have to look at chris and you're just i have to like what i worry most about him is like He's not exactly a great shooter. He's not a great driver. His defense is good, but we don't know how it's going to translate. That leads me to a lot of things where he leads me to kind of believe like he could end up like there's a not not saying it'll happen, but there's a chance he could be out of the league before these his second contract because he can't he does he doesn't do any of the things do any of these things at an elite level. 
like currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with the 24th pick, I feel like Monty should go for that risk, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, we've so far we've only looked at three guys, and there's much more around that area that <laughs> we could look at and say, yeah, this might be the better pick over this or that. So, yeah, well, we'll see. But definitely for the safer pick, Chris would be a pretty, pretty good pickup. If he's available, like if, from yeah. what I've heard, from what I've read from certain March mark uh, mock drafts, like he's not going to last till twenty four. No. Like more often than not, I see him getting picked before that. Yeah, so many, so many. Yeah, there's quite a few that say the Kings will pick him up by then or like at the twenty four. And yeah. like, let's not like let we can't rule out they're just like oh Keegan's on that team. Yeah, just put him on, just put him on Sacramento. Yeah, like they're. So- like, granted, like, Chris is an archetype we need, but it, I feel it is very lazy from a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I just put him on the Kings. Is there, like, some unwritten rule with the uh, previous picks that, oh, there's Chris Murray. We got, we got to give him to the Kings. It's, it's like, it, it's fate, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. Um, But, yeah, it, Chris... He's not my last option, but like he definitely would be on a bit of the lower end. He just hasn't shown enough in college for my liking. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Next up, Kobe Buffkin. He is a, let me pull up his profile. He is a Michigan, he, he played in Michigan last year. He is a 6'4 guard who averaged 14 points, uh, 2.9 assists, and uh, 4.5 rebounds. Uh, Oh, hold on. Oh, bless me. Okay. Uh, so he's he's a very interesting uh, prospect to me. Not very eye-popping stats by any means, but he has he has a few he has quite a few tools that would actually help the Kings a lot. So uh he has great hands in pressuring the ball. Um, and he can get a lot of steals. Uh so of you know, an effective on-ball defender, really creative finisher, like you know, with his like when he drives to the rim, he can use both hands. He can do high off the glass, like tear drops. He's got really good touch when it comes to layups. And he's a good shooter. And he can even, and like, you know, unlike Chris Murray, can actually shoot off movement. And he's also a good cutter as well. Kind of just projects to be a very, very good role player, like can fit into any offense. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Especially his finishing. Like he is a very crafty finisher when he gets to the rim uh for sure and he pretty much like i would say utilizes his body pretty well in terms of his attacks and uh drawing fouls as well yeah like just you know that like doesn't try to over he doesn't try to do too much i feel like granted it's off highlights so it's actually hard to tell but he seems to just be able to play within himself and like doesn't need the ball to be effective and has a lot of tools that can like work, you know, work for him as an off ball player as well, which is why I think like the Kings offense could actually really, really benefit him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, He also has like, you know, passing flashes again, like not very eye popping stats, 2.9, uh, 2.9 assists for a guard. It's a bit low, but you know he's he's got he showed he has shown to have like really good like vision kind of understands how like how to run the pick and roll or like where the next pass is just has a good feel for that on the offensive end he's not likely to be a primary creator early because 
you know, like he's got a lack of, you know, a, you know, a crazy tight handle. Um, but you know, he can definitely serve as a secondary playmaker at least right off the gate. Yeah, especially of course, most of these guys probably will be coming off the bench, but I mean, him coming off the bench, I mean, it gives um week an extra guy out there to potentially create uh either for himself or you know for others as well and the you know i i don't love that you know it's another guard but like the kings could just use another creator because with the way malik can be erratic like you just need another steady hand next to him mm-hmm. yeah oh well, we'll see how the rotations will go because i mean there's also davion in the guard spot and then yeah malik and i don't know if we'll slot in and you know, another guard for a small lineup uh, coming off the bench like that, too. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But, you know, the, with the way the Kings are actually structured, like, he'll most likely be a third or fourth creator on the floor at the best. Can, you know, can cut and spot up off of creators such as Fox, uh, Malik, and Domas. He just wouldn't be asked to do too much where it will expose him. So I just think the Kings are just a great position or a, a great spot for him to be in. Mm-hmm. But there's just one problem. He's small. He's six yeah. four. I, I mean, I cannot get over that. Unfortunately for me. I mean, we're reviewing all of these guys in that spot, and he fits in the you know around that twenty fourth spot. To be honest, um, I mean, he could guard the ones and twos. Not gonna, not gonna lie. I mean, he could guard the perimeter. Um, Pretty much uh, could keep up with guys one on one, but uh, other than that, yeah. When you mentioned his size, it's yeah, we we have enough of that. The the thing with that is like you know if you're going for like top end talent, like you can make you can actually make a uh, make an argument for Kobe Bufkin. Like imagine if like you know if you switch up his name, like say he turned him into like a Tyrese Maxi. That is a very very good player and like a very very good six man. And you know, I can see I can see a world where he turns into that. I just look, I'm very much like, you know, wing or bust. You gotta be at least six five or above for me. But I wouldn't hate it if if Monty made this pick because he is a very talented player. Like there's a lot of like flashes that that he's shown. And again, the Kings of situation like will dictate that he is usually more or less not the number one or number two option. He's always going to be the third or fourth option. And I think that will be a perfect role for him. Like it, it's just, it, it won't expose him as I mentioned before. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe <laughs> who, who knows? We might pick him up uh, for some odd reason, but I mean, a lot of his arsenal, I'd say can slot in very well. Uh, with us uh, in terms of coming off the bench then again there there are some weaknesses i'd say that might deter it in some ways but i mean there's a lot more positives i say but like as i mentioned like the kings situation fits him well where you know they can cover up a lot of his weaknesses like the you know other than like the size thing the kings don't have a lot of size but like you know, again, not a great, not a, t- not a, like, a incredibly tight handle. He's not built to be a primary creator yet. Doesn't need to be that on the Kings. And, and like, the, it's, it would just be a very good situation for him to be able to flourish. Like, when have, when have we ever said that about the Kings a lot of the time? Like, you know, like, 
you know, it's a great situation and it's a situation that people that, you know, young players should try to be in to in order to grow. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. But unfortunately, he's just small. <laughs> and I hate that. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does just boil down to that. Like six four is tough, but like as a high ceiling pick, why not? Like if you can turn it into a Tyrese Maxi type, which that's not even what he was projected to be either. But like you get you get my point, right? There's a there's a high seal, there's a high potential with him, you know, just having all these tools already, and he's only going to get better from, from here. Like he could turn into this into a, a very very useful player. Mm-hmm. I guess let's play the what if game. <laughs> Wait, what if we did draft uh, Kobe Buffkin to the Kings? Um, how would that rotation work? Because man, we would still be small, pretty much, to be honest. He would be the third guard. He would basically be taking, I guess, Delhi spot. Like in case, like one of in case one of De'Aaron or Davion is injured, he could kind of fill in, like just a little bit. And you know, just like the Kings really did struggle in terms of just having like that third creator a lot of the time, especially when Domas went to the bench. Like you had De'Aaron and uh, Malik, and it was always a crapshoot whether or not like they can. They can uh, basically create something off an ISO or like a short pick and roll. But having that third guy who can attack a closeout, that can open up a lot, I think, for the offense and could take it to the next level, especially when Domas is off the floor. Hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see That's that. all theoretical. Like you're asking a rookie to do, to do that. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, I give it, yeah multiple years for a lot of these guys to actually uh, open up to uh, the Kings offense. But I mean, there's not really that many to, you know, are that are like uh, NBA ready, I guess you could say. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like when you pick later in the later on, like even if you, you know, hit the diamond in a rough, like for the most part, most of these players take a year or two. And that's the case with a lot of guys. But, like, one of the reasons why a lot of these guys, like, are later on is because they're projected to have, like, either reached their ceiling or they're going to take a little bit in order to develop. And it Mm -hmm. usually is the case. Like, Tyrese Maxey was fine his first year, but he didn't really take off until last year when when his second year um, happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. In my opinion, out of the three guys for – if I were to choose to, you know, uh, draft, I would say this is one to on the lower end. I'd say I this is more of a potential pick. I mean, there's a lot of good potential that can help the Kings. It's just I don't know. I think there's better guys out there. And when you mentioned size, yeah, I I'm not going for guards anymore. We need the size. Yeah, um, he he'd be a, probably on the bottom of the list for me, just mainly because of the size. But he's got a lot of intriguing tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to our uh, third and final guy for this episode, uh, Kobe Jones from Xavier, six five wing, uh, average fifteen points, five point seven uh five point seven rebounds and four point four assists. Not eye popping numbers, but not you know not not bad numbers by any means. So uh, kind of the breakdown with him. Uh, so I on offense, I think he has really good playmaking feel. 
really good in the pick and roll and like really good at finding like the next pass doesn't like not always like find the open shooter but like find the weak spot in the defense and then that and then that can lead to you know up an open shot now he might not always get the assist but like he'll get like hockey assists so really really good playmaking feel is where i want to start yeah pretty much like i mean his finishing is I would say pretty, <laughs> pretty nice in a lot of ways. And yeah, like I said, we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he, yes, he can, he's got some nice finishes, but you know, to stick to passing, like the pick and roll, he, he's, he's not, hasn't mastered it. I don't want to go that far, but he can like make the skip pass. He can make the bounce pass. He can make high level reads off the pick and roll. Just a guy that knows how to operate in that action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely one of those out of the three, probably the best in terms of uh, playmaking, uh, I would say, definitely, um, because, I mean, he has a lot in his arsenal when it comes to that, I'd say, uh, especially if he does uh, do it for himself as well. I mean, he, he has choices, definitely, when he does to uh, drive with the ball. It, it all starts with like him like with a screen. He is a player that doesn't excel in ISO situations, but you know he he's very masterful. Like especially at the college level of just using the screen to create an advantage. Like he uses a lot of hesitations and a lot of stops and starts to throw off the defender. And then like his go to his go to move is like a floater, and he has really really good touch. Like, really tricky in how he gets into the floater as well. Like, again, just high-level stuff at such an like an early stage where, you know, he he's good at putting his defender in jail. Um, Adam Spinola calls it the uh, hostage dribble, where basically he seals the guy on his back and then kind of, like, gets into, gets into, like, a move, a floater. And then he's also, like, good at using spin moves to, like, create certain angles, again, to kind of seal off the defender with his body. Just really, really advanced in terms of how he operates in that pick and roll and, and scoring in like the floater range area. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, his shooting form, I actually really like it. It's very nice and smooth for the most part. The one thing I would criticize about it, there's not a lot of dip. It just feels like he kind of gets into the upward motion and there's no like dip beforehand to generate power. But hey, he makes it. I will say his pull-ups, look, they look really good as long as you don't see the result because for some reason like he pulls up it looks smooth it looks nice but then it just doesn't go in or it'll break really badly which is very odd to me yeah it's pretty inconsistent in a lot of ways i mean so far his catch and shooting uh has improved from you know his previous two years but definitely when he takes a free off the dribble i mean it seems like a lot of teams uh, try to dare him to shoot that off the dribble free. And yeah, it kind of clinks a lot of times. And yeah, again, the confusing thing, it looks good. Every The process looks good, but it just doesn't go in, which is just a weird thing to say about someone. It's, again, we'll, we'll see if that like is just an anomaly, like whether that is not going in this year. But I, I feel like he can be a good pull-up guy as long as he can get the reps. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, as I mentioned, not a good one-on-one creator basically needs a screen to do really anything. Now we talked about his finishing earlier. Now, if he can get to the, get to the cup and get a clean, uh, get a clean shot off, it looks really nice. Like really nice off foot layups, really nice, like kind of tricky finishes. But if he can't get a clean look, 
he gets stuck kind of in that restricted area and just settles for usually some really weird bullshit, like a weird turnaround fadeaway, a weird like hook shot leaning in, a weird like floater from like, you know, way too far out. Like he doesn't have a lot of creativity as Adam Spinola puts it. Yeah, definitely if the defender does keep them away or keep him away from the rim or even within the floater area, I mean, he takes, yeah, I, I seen his long floaters. I'm like, why Why take the long floater? Why is Kobe yeah. Jones? So pretty much like, yeah, instead of taking a pull-up, he just takes a very long floater, which kind of it's a little mind-boggling, I guess you could say. This would be it'd be an incredible Euroleague thing. Like Euro, they do it in Euroleague where they take floaters from like three point range. Like <laughs> it's a real thing um, with them. But like, yeah, like he gets kind of stuck just doing a lot of bullshit when he cannot get a clean shot off, and it seems to happen pretty often. Like he's not an overly quick guy, not an overly like not an overly great handle, and not like crazy quickness to like blow by guys. It's just. It's it's a work in progress. I don't know if I don't know if he'll become an elite guy where like he'll just be able to get to the rim at will at certain points once he kind of he masters his uh his kind of tricky his tricky pacing like even better um going forward. But as of now, like if he can't if he doesn't like score on like a clean move, it's it is not pretty. Oh no. And yeah, he usually drives with his right as well rarely goes to the left so i mean i i feel like he's a little more um susceptible to uh a lot of defenses where i mean once they figured him out i think it would be done uh, not i wouldn't say a done deal but he could they could limit him in a lot of ways uh to prevent him from playing his game so but again like if he is drafted to the kings he is going to be a third or fourth option. And I just don't think like he will be, he will have a weaker defender on him for the most part. The guys are going to put like, put him on De'Aaron and Malik and, you know, even Kevin Herter. So like, I think, I think it'd be fine for him, but, and like the Kings will be able to protect him by not exposing him too much on offense because they're just not going to ask him to do, do that much. Like in the same way that if Kobe Bufkin were uh, drafted to the Kings. So I don't think it'll be, it'll be a huge issue. Like where he just where like he takes you know takes a lot of dribbles for example and just kind of gets stuck. I just don't think he'll. I just don't think he'll have opportunities to be pulling that bullshit for the most part. No, most likely not. But I mean, in terms of his defense, I'd say he's a pretty good on-ball defender that could probably guard the one-two for sure and some threes. I guess you could say. Um, well, yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah, let's move on to the defense. I really like his defense, like really good lateral quickness to stay in front of guys. And it, they didn't say what his wingspan was, but he's got some length on him. And he really is good at using that length uh, to contest without jumping for the most part. Like he stays on his feet, doesn't, well, at least, well, we didn't watch full games. But like he doesn't jump on pump, like it you know prevents him from jumping on pump fakes and picking up cheap fouls. Very kind of just you know fundamentally sound defense and very very smart on that end as well. Mm-hmm. And he definitely plays, I guess you could say, uh, kind of king's defense where we uh, he kind of pressures the guy and 
gets a lot of picks. I'd say he he's pretty smart in terms of uh, seeing the ball uh, or the pass uh, getting uh, uh, what you might call it or intercepting passes. Excuse me, uh, pretty well enough uh, to get you know a good steal. Yeah, like just good instincts. Like uh, like let's just say in a pick and roll, like you know the the roll man has to stay on the guard a little bit longer, and like the guard tries to slip a. Uh, a pocket pass he's he's there a lot of the time to intercept that pass and like that's a shit that's a sign of iq and then you see like just some of the rotations he can make like anticipating passes just really good feel for that kind of stuff and it really impressed me like just watching him like just uh, blow up blow up you know a very common action like it, it that he's going to be running into a lot in the nba mm-hmm and then, uh, uh, and then, like you know, on the post up, and like he can guard a lot of threes, a lot of wings in college, where they would try to post him up, and they had very little success because he's got a very strong frame, and you know, like that is an asset. Like you know, if he has to guard up a little bit, like he's not going to straight get bullied for the most part. We'll see, like how what that looks like in the NBA because. Like for example, it, like if LeBron James wants to wants to pick on him, he's not gonna be able to stop LeBron James. He might not be able to even even stop like a guy like um, OG Ananobi, right? Because those guys are just so beefy and like so yoked. But like it's good to see him be able to like you know hold his ground. And again, because he doesn't jump a lot on a lot of on a lot of pump fakes, and instead just uses his like long arms to contest, like. That can probably keep him away from like getting into foul trouble and picking up cheap fouls. And also, like, that might even frustrate some guys who, like, you know, like, say, live on pump fakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess we shall see about him. Uh, overall, I really like his, I really like his game. His lack of one on one ability may limit his ceiling if he can't improve upon it. But, it's not going to be something he's going to need right away when he's drafted to the Kings. It's something he, that can be a work in progress, and that's going to, be to kind of determine his ceiling for me. Mm. Yeah, I think, like you said, it should be fine for the first maybe one or two years. I mean, he'll probably develop into uh, more uh, creation for himself uh, for sure. But, I mean, I don't think we'll really need too much from him on a 1v1 type of sense. Uh for now but in terms of his playmaking and defense i mean that's that's pretty much uh, i would say what we would uh would like uh coming off the bench for sure yeah he he brings a lot of tools and like the most important thing is just his high, high iq and his passing i think that's gonna be actually the skill that's actually gonna be able to help the kings right away keep that ball moving be able to kind of initiate some offense and just overall, not the Kings are not going to ask him to do too much. And, you know, the shooting does concern me a little bit, but it's not nothing is truly concerning about his shooting. I'll just say that. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't <laughs> say so. I think it can be an anomaly. Uh, I mean, once he gets his reps down and once he, uh, you know, plays in, you know, I guess the King setting, I, I think uh, a lot of it can improve for sure. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't think it's something we need as of now. So, I mean, we'll have to see if we, if we do draft him, uh, I'm pretty sure he could develop into a better, possibly free and D player with 
some with a lot of playmaking experience, I guess. Yeah, and that could be a very valuable thing going forward. Now, the one one of the reasons why he intrigues me as much as he it does, I personally do just want another creator on, on the team, as I mentioned earlier. Now, him get he's not great at like getting to the rim, and he's not a he's not as like a great shooter, which is what kind of concerns me. But like, you know, again, you can develop him into that. But like that brings me into like another conversation where uh, I'll be honest, I need to check his contract status. I'm watching the playoffs right now. Like I would want the Kings to sign Dennis Schroeder this offseason if he's available. Huh? Oh yeah. Just because uh, the Kings, like, what what was the thing that I hated the most about the Kings this year? It wasn't their defense. It was their propensity to jack up threes. <laughs> And if you can get a guy like a Dennis Schroeder who can penetrate, the, who can just, who is an incredible penetrator, and for the most part doesn't settle for threes, although I think that will change when he gets on the Kings when he's emboldened to keep shooting threes. But like, I want a guy that can just bona fide, just get by his guy and get to the rim and just create from there. Kobe Jones will not be that to start his career. He just simply isn't that kind of guy to be able to just blow by guys. And you know, he's probably going to get like, you know, emboldened to shoot a lot of threes. And I don't love that. But again, you have you you have another ball mover, another kind of like, you know, low end fourth option, third option creator. That's intriguing to me, but I would rather have someone that can get to the rim better. Mm, I see. I mean, I'm hoping there's someone out there telling guys to not jack up this many freeze, but. I mean, it's, been... it's it's just how the NBA is. Like I've accepted yeah. it. Just oh, because yeah. it's just how the NBA is. Like you need to shoot a certain amount of threes to stay competitive in this league, and it is what it is. I don't love it, but that's actually how you have to win nowadays. Sadly, yes, but in some situations, I just wish we just drive in <laughs> instead because I, I mean, it's I feel like it's an easier. Yeah, excuse me, make a drive in and potentially make a play rather than you know chucking a free in the first like five or ten seconds of uh whatchamacallit the possession yeah so ultimately um kobe brings a lot of good stuff but there there's some stuff that i'm not sure of and the six five part is a little short for my liking so ultimately he's probably he's actually probably number two like, I know I just ended up, I know I, like, crapped on Chris Murray, like, so, you know, to start, but the height thing really does do a lot for me. Yeah, 6'5 is a little short on the wing end for my liking as well. I would I would say the same as well. <laughs> I mean, Chris, I mean, he has a lot to work on, but being 6'8 helps a lot, I'd say. And he he like is like, I mean he has a lot of uh, pros that are beneficial, especially when it comes to the Kings. But it, it's tough because I, I would also think Kobe Jones is a very good prospect. Um, but he, I would say, yeah, he would be a close second, very close. Yeah, and I reserve the right to change my mind. I am going back and forth. Like as I'm saying the sentence, I, I could easily go back to Kobe Jones, number one. 
so far mm. but it's a we have a lot more guys to go over so like next episode we'll be going through some more guys like for example max maxwell lewis is a very interesting guy to to you know take a take a swing on i think at 24th so you know there, there's a lot of guys um that we still need to go over and you know we'll have a we'll have a different ranking probably by the end of next episode yeah pretty much Okay, well, let's uh, move over to some uh, NBA news. We'll talk about the draft lottery that happened. The Kings were not involved for the first time in 17 years. And we'll talk about the Lakers versus Nuggets and the Heat versus Celtics. So let's start with the uh, draft lottery. The Spurs uh, ended up getting the number one pick. Presumably, they're going to be drafting Victor Wimbenyama uh, with the number one pick. What were your thoughts when you first heard about that? I mean, I well, I I didn't know who was going to be getting the first pick until, you know, I heard the Spurs getting, and I think, I mean, Wemby's going to flourish no matter which team he's going to go in. To be honest, and it'll be interesting in the Spurs uh, situation, especially since Greg, I guess, is still going to be coaching for I don't know how many more years. To be honest. It's the best situation he could have been in. Now, oh, yeah. as as for like the league, like may, may not it may not be, but apparently like San Antonio is legit the smallest market, which surprised me because they've won so much. You would think they're a big market, but mm-hmm. no, like San Antonio, they have a great system. They're great at developing. Like you know, we played we played them this year. Like we beat them three out of three three times out of four, and like each time you saw like a like a team that's not very talented but they have a process and they execute they just didn't have the talent to make up you know for that for the gap uh in terms of just you know overall team performance um and they, they you can tell like they are well coached and that greg greg popovich like he really hammers home certain philosophies and does not let guys get away with doing bullshit mm. oh, and yeah. And, you know, that's going to be great for Vic. Like, a lot of people bring up, like, you know, if he was, like, you know, for example, drafted to Houston where guys have been just allowed to bullshit their way through their through their first few seasons. Like, look at look at Houston's future right now. We have no clue what they're going to look like because they've been just allowed to, you know, do, again, allowed to just do bullshit. They, Wemby is not going to be allowed to do that in San Antonio. He's going to be he's going to be taught the, the right way to play, and he's going to be – you know, taught like the right disciplines and not build bad habits off of it. Hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um, I mean, how many more years do you think uh, there'll be uh, contenders again? <laughs> what do you think? I want to say they might be in the playing race this season. In terms of playoffs, that might be tricky. But I think Wemby does raise their floor a lot. Like he's going to be a one-man defensive wrecking crew, like right from the start. Like he's got crazy, ridiculous long arms, like you know, good defensive instincts, and he's gonna destroy on that end. The offense might take a bit to come. He's gonna be he's gonna do some amazing stuff, but like there's gonna be a lot of in-between stuff where Mike look a little ugly against NBA defenders, presumably. Mm. Unless he is that true, you know, once in a lifetime. You know, once in a LeBron type uh, prospect, um, where you know he he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Maybe he just takes us the league by storm. Maybe, but it probably won't happen just in his rookie year. Mm, yeah, that's for sure. 
but I feel like in terms of impact, my God, it, it's going to be scary <laughs> when he does come to the NBA. I, I mean, geez, <laughs> for a guy that kind of size to move like that and to defend like that and to <laughs> shoot over guys like that, I mean, it's it's going to be a treat. It's good. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have to see how he handles like NBA physicality or if that even matters. I'm pretty sure like guys said that about Shaq. They said that about uh, LeBron. They said that about maybe even MJ. They were able to handle it just fine. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Charlotte gets the number two pick. Uh, Portland gets number three. Houston gets number four. There was a really funny reaction from uh, Wemby where he basically said, yeah, I'm not going to Houston. He knows. He knows that 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 organization is some bullshit. Detroit drops to fifth, which is interesting. I want to see what they do there. Uh, Orlando, and then Orlando is six, Indiana seven, Washington eight, Utah nine, Dallas number ten gets to keep their pick, and Orlando gets their gets the pick from Chicago number eleven. So they have two picks, six and eleven. OKC is twelve, Toronto is thirteen, and New Orleans is fourteen. Any any of those teams? interest you in terms of like just where they're gonna pick wait where was okc again number 12 yeah Mm. i believe they actually i forgot if it was the 11th pick or not but they drafted jalen williams at number 12 the good the good one did you hear that there's gonna be another jalen williams in this draft let's hope the okc does not pick them (laughs) three jalen williams hopefully he picks uh, the number nine to play if he ever gets drafted there yeah, thanks for stealing my joke on that one. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. You think you think you could get away with that? <laughs> you really think you could have gotten away with that? Uh wait, what was the question again? <laughs> uh any of the any of the first 14 picks, like where they're gonna pick interest you at all. Uh I think between the five and ten pick is gonna be interesting. Uh outside of you know Scoot Henderson and all those guys in the top five, I think. Uh, between five and ten is going to be, or five even to fifteen is going to be guys that uh would help contend. I feel, in terms of uh, whichever team they go to, I feel. What do you mean by contend? Contend for a playoff spot? Potentially, because I mean, I'm hoping OKC. Oh, I forgot about Chet. <laughs> Chet is coming back, yes, and hopefully yeah. he's going to be healthy for the entire season. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting what OKC is going to do with that 12 pick you said, right? 12 pick, yes. Yeah. And, you know, if they are actually going to continue developing or, you know, actually uh, put off for, um, you know, uh, an actual spot in the playoffs. Because, I mean, they're they're getting there for sure. I'm interested in what Houston does. Because, oh. like, assume, assuming, like, the, the draft order is going to go Wemby, uh, Wemby to San Antonio, um, Chet, we're not Chet, uh, Scoot to Charlotte, and then probably Brandon Miller to Portland. I want to see what Houston does with their pick. Portland is probably going to trade their pick. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But Houston, I think they should go Ahmed Thompson at that at that position. But there's also the James Harden stuff looming in the air. So do they end up trading this pick to, I guess do something with Harden. I I don't, I don't know. Like I actually am going to actually like not root for them, but like I'm, I would urge them to start try and like 
package some of their young guys and just trade them for some veterans, just straight up. Like, mm-hmm. keep Shingun, keep Jalen Green, everyone else, just trade them for, for to consolidate them into some veterans because there's too many young guys. There's just some of them might even be lost cause. Like, I think KBJ is a the lost cause, in my opinion. Just trade those guys, see what you can get, and consolidate them into veterans to like actually create a team. Stop with this bullshit tanking crap where more this bullshit development crap where you're literally just throwing them out there to do to do bullshit. There's no guidance. And I don't even blame Steven Silas for much of this. Like the front office has a lot to do with this. And you know, just look like a, a actual basketball team again. Uh, yeah um i mean do you think cardin is the right guy though if they were to get him (laughs) no (laughs) they they don't have they don't have any better choices is the thing i mean yeah pretty much and i mean harden's contra and i mean at this point of his career i mean it's not looking too bright but coming back to the rockets i mean i don't Sure, I think he'll provide some veteran experience, but he's he's gonna do the hard and uh, you know experience in Houston again. If they're gonna use the pick and they're gonna continue on with this stuff, just draft Alman Thompson for the love of God. They need someone that passes, mm-hmm. other than just Shangun, because like making KPJ play that position has been a disaster. The dude mm-hmm. is not a point guard. He can score a little bit, not a point guard. Like just. Bring some stability, for the love of God, to your organization. Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, okay, um, so uh, in King's news, uh, Delhi is now going back to Australia. I forgot what team, but he he's he had an announcement saying he's uh, going back to the MBL, M- I think is what it's called. And uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed his time here. He, he was a good veteran in the locker room, and like the times he did play, they were fun. Yeah, congrats to him for, uh, you know... I mean, going back, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's too bad, but I mean, he didn't see too much play time here, sadly enough. Yeah, I mean, he he was a bit over the hill, and like honestly, I don't think he could have provided much more than what he did. Mm-hmm. And but he but he provided but he he didn't sulk. He was a veteran. He was professional, and he was a good presence in the locker room. So you know, just thank you for what he did here. Like like legit. Like I'm not even trying to be. Try to be a smart ass about it. He legitimately did do did do a lot here. Oh yeah, and we get to see his uh, shooting form uh, again. <laughs> well, we don't get to see it this upcoming season, unfortunately. But yeah. that's he, neither here nor there. Uh, next up, uh, Jordy Fernandez is going to be interviewed for the Phoenix job. Um, for all signs, at least from what I've heard, he's probably not going to get that job just because they're probably going to look for a more seasoned uh, veteran head coach. And not go for the first year head coach. So, Jordy Jordy is interviewing for a lot of positions, but like at least from what I've heard from like James Ham and guys within the walls, like he's more than likely going to stay. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I expect to be honest. Um, because I no, not to throw shade at Jordy, but I yeah, like I said, I think there's a lot more seasoned um, coaches out there that a lot of NBA teams can, you know, snatch up. And Jordy, I mean, has a pretty big resume. It's just not as big as those other guys, I feel. 
look at you being snarky but <laughs> you, you know like here's the thing like you if depends on the situation like let's let's just say for example um the detroit job i can see him being okay i can see him being a good candidate for that one i would like you can hire like a guy like mike boonholzer but he might not be the best fit for that job. So like there, there are jobs out there that he would be a good fit for. Like Phoenix is a special, is a special case where they are trying to win a championship right now. And going with a rookie head coach just isn't the greatest idea just because you just, you want someone more seasoned, but there are other jobs out there like that, you know, could use, could use a guy like Jordy, you know, who brings good new ideas and, you know, and he's shown like he's got something like he's been around a long time, not as a head coach, but, you know, he everyone speaks very well about him and he could very much excel at at, at his first head coaching job. Like, for example, like, let's just say if he took the Raptors job, that would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, he definitely gets the players going. Definitely. Uh, what you call it? speaks out loud especially you know even when mike brown uh whatchamacallit is still you know the head coach he still has a voice in the whatchamacallit bench that uh speaks to the players so yeah i could definitely see him uh hopefully someday become a head coach like that i guess yeah so he will get more opportunities we'll we'll see like we definitely wish the best for him and you know he he really does deserve a head coaching job at some point Mm-hmm. maybe just not now yeah and probably not Phoenix, to be honest yeah that's a that's a whole, that's a pretty messy situation that's i wouldn't recommend it but there's a lot of talent there like I, I look devin booker is good kevin durant is you know no, no surprise very very good like there's a lot of talent there to work with oh yeah okay all right, well let's uh let's go to the ma- the meat of the NBA news. The NBA playoffs are still going on. There are two Western Conference finals going on or there's two conference finals going on. They're both 2-0. And right now, um we'll actually start with Heat versus Celtics that just ended. Um yeah, the Heat they keep doing it. Like they were the 8th seed. They were they lost decisively to the Hawks in the play-in in the first game. And then the second game, they just the Heat just about lost to the Bulls. And lo and behold, they're up 2-0 in the Western or in the Eastern Conference Finals. So nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, no, I'm very surprised that Miami could take two games, especially in, in Boston, Boston, in the race in one of the most racist cities in America. And not yeah. that 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 doesn't matter, honestly. But like, th- th- it's incredible how how they've been able to do it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I forgot the stat, but like they, I, I forgot the percentage. You know, when it comes to the numbers of uh, which team is going to win the Eastern Conference Finals, I I think Boston had it over the Heat by. It was a minus five hundred. I think was like the betting lines, and apparently that's actually really high. Or mm-hmm. really like that basically means a lot of people think they're gonna win, but yeah. I want to check the betting line now. I know. How that's changed. So hopefully the Heat can keep it up, especially at in their own home. I mean, it'd be crazy if they sweep uh, Boston if they finish their two games at home against them. And, you know, we got to talk about the end of the game. So let me just pull up the game real quick. So basically, what happened? 
Grant Williams decided to talk some shit to uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler smiled at him and proceeded to drop the to lay the smack down on the on the Boston Celtics after. I believe it was like a 23 to 6 run to end that game after like Grant Williams hit a three and talked shit to him. Grant, what the fuck, man? Are we gonna blame it on him for this game? I mean, he he's the he's the scapegoat, of course, but like Tatum was kind of bad. Jalen Brown had some very questionable decisions. Look, he's he's gonna he's gonna get the brunt of it, and he probably actually should. But like you know that that's it's just funny. I I love this kind of stuff. Like you know, Grant Williams like earlier in the year um, gets fouled at the end of a Cavaliers game. It's tied. He has two free throws, and he talk he's talking shit to Donovan Mitchell, and he and he basically says, "I'm gonna make both free throws and win this game." Now, if you don't remember, he proceeds to miss both. They go to overtime, and the Celtics lose that game. Look, if you if you if you talk some shit, you better be able to eat. Yeah, you better be able to either back it up, or you better be able to eat shit. And from what I've seen and his post game comments, Grant Williams is willing to eat shit for the most part. Hmm. His team, on the other hand, is a whole other situation. But. Look, I love I love the trash talking. I love like they got him and Jimmy got in each other's faces. That shit is fun. The double tech was whack. Just let them just let them talk shit. Let there be shit talking. Yeah, but it's... but no, he should not have talked shit to uh Jimmy Butler. That definitely woke up woke him up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And uh hopefully it kind of continues into uh Miami Heat game, especially uh like I said, that they win both in Miami to sweep the Celtics, that's that's pretty much unheard of, I'd say. Like, especially uh, how uh, Miami has been doing in the regular season up until now, and being able to potentially sweep Boston, being the eighth seed. I mean, that's crazy. So at six thirty-seven is when he makes the t- makes the three-pointer, and yeah, he's talking he's talking shit to us. Uh, uh, to Jimmy Butler after that. And Jimmy went at him towards the end. Like he basically just he basically ran the whoever offense on him. Like he he told he told like well I think he was his primary defender and he just got to a spot and just shot over him. It was that was some shit. Like that's why you don't fuck with Jimmy. You just don't <laughs> you just don't talk shit to Jimmy. I love I love that stuff. I love the audacity. Just as a business decision, don't talk shit to a to a to a, a psychopath that that is uh Jimmy Butler. But yeah. um yeah, like ultimately like ultimately I think that what it is is that Boston just you talk about just doing bullshit. Boston just pulls just does the dumbest shit I've seen. Like Jason Tatum constantly dribbling and then dribbling off of people's feet. Like and then Jalen Brown taking ill-advised shots and Marcus Smart doing Marcus Smart things. They're, they like they are undoubtedly the more talented team in this game in, in this in this series. Like that, he don't have Tyler Hero, and like you know, Jason Tatum should theoretically be the best player in this series. Yet Jimmy Butler just kind of wills them to wins and is proving himself to be one of the best playoff players, I think, in history almost. I would, yeah, I would say so. Um yeah, in terms of what Boston has done uh, during this like run at the end, I mean, my God, these turnovers are costing them so much. It's 
it's <laughs> I don't know how many times the uh the Miami Heat like got a, a lot of picks just to score on the other end so easily. Yeah, like it's it's just weird. It's very actually reminiscent of the Warriors series last year in the finals, where like granted, I didn't think they were more talented, but like if you like looking back, like you know, the Celtics should have won that game, but they would just shoot themselves in the foot by just doing weird stuff. And you know, like the the uh, or the Warriors would capitalize on those mistakes and just you know turn it into a game, and they would ultimately end up winning it because of those mistakes. Boston, I think that I think what they need is just an actual point guard. I know Brad uh, Stevens has this weird philosophy where there are no such thing as point guards. You just need an initiator. Motherfucker, get a point guard. Marcus Smart is not the answer. Please just get a fucking point guard. Yeah, maybe, maybe next year because yeah, they they haven't tried yet. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much playing the same um, lineup as uh, last year, and it seems like it's still not working out. Uh, do you think? Do you think the Celtics get a game in Miami? I mean, they better hope so. <laughs> they, <laughs> I mean, it's. Is looking very bleak uh, for Boston for sure, and I feel like Boston can take one game from Miami at their home, but it it just doesn't. Uh, what you call it? I I still think Miami's going to take the cake. Uh, however, you know, it will go unless Boston does take both games at their home in the next two, which it's going to be pretty tough, I'd say. So what do you say, Heat and five? Yeah, I say Heat and five, maybe six. I, I'm I'm go I'm going I'm going full Heat right now. Heat Heat and four. Oh, heat I think, and four. Wow. <laughs> I think I think the Celtics are done. They're they're too stupid. <laughs> they're just too stupid. And like a guy like Jimmy, he's he's a he's a motherfucker. And he is going to he is going to eat at at you if you show any sign of weakness, and yeah, this Boston team is a weak team. Yeah, I mean, at least they made it this far again. I mean, that's all I could say. But to be beat by this Miami team, I mean, it's pretty pretty sad. I'd say. <laughs> let, like, let, let's give credit to the Miami Heat. They've just been amazing. Like, yeah. this is a team that is built of. That has a system. Granted, I actually don't like their offense very much. I, I think it's a pretty like rudimentary offense. But like Jimmy just does just does winning shit. I don't know how to even describe it. Like he gets to his spot and will either score or make the right pass. Just it feels like every single time. Like Jason Tatum still struggles with that kind of stuff. And I don't know if he'll ever figure it out, but Jimmy has has it figured out. He knows how to control the game and he just knows how to make the right play. Like he's right behind LeBron on that, on that, like, on that, like ability, which is incredible to say, like he is right behind LeBron. Mm -hmm. Do you know their second leading score on the Miami? Uh, Jimmy had 27. Yeah. I I see the box score. (laughs) Well, that that doesn't, I wanted to surprise you, but never mind. But uh, yeah, Cody Martin. My God, like how he's been great. Oh, you mean Caleb? Caleb Martin, sorry. It's a, yeah. It just says C, so. Yeah. I just um, Cody. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I didn't expect him to drop twenty five, but he w- he had a lot of openings, and especially in the transitional drives. I mean, he's been pretty great off the bench, and I'm pretty sure he finished the game as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Nope. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you could go ahead. I was I was gonna jump to the Lakers if you don't have anything else to say. Oh no, yeah, let's jump to the Lakers. <laughs> All right, well, uh, next up, Lakers versus Nuggets. Uh, Nuggets are up 2-0. They go to L.A. uh, for the next two games. Um, Basically, both games were very close, and Denver kind of, they tried to give the game to the Lakers, and the Lakers both times just does did some weird stuff to give the game right back to the Nuggets. But the main story that comes out of it is that Joker is amazing. And also, Rui Hachimura is the greatest Jokic defender of all time. Huh. Wait, why you say that? Because, to be honest, I, I didn't catch yesterday's game. God damn it, Paul! <laughs> anyway, um, so, what happened was, in the fourth quarter of game one, they put Rui Hachimura on uh, Joker. And Joker, I, be- I I forgot what his stat line, but it was something along the lines of 30, 20, and 10. He would proceed to basically end the game that way, which, oh boy, yeah, that's a really that's a really bad fourth quarter. But the thing was was that they basically put Rui Hachimura on him, and AD would roam on the weak side, like getting ready for a block. Like he would just not guard Aaron Gordon, and that basically was the talking point. Um, and it was it was a very interesting adjustment, but, but you know. Joker is Joker. He's going to figure that shit out. And it kind of worked in game two, too. But it was because they also put LeBron on Joker, which that's a that's a matchup I want to talk about. Like that, I think, is the Lakers nuclear option, putting LeBron on Joker and then like having AD Rome on the weak side off of uh, Aaron Gordon. And that is their best matchup. Granted, it wore down LeBron, but like LeBron is strong enough to be able to hold Jokic. And also be able to get away with a few fouls, but that really did wear him out for the offense. Hmm. I see. Well, kind of, I guess didn't work out for game two. I mean, from what I could see in the box score, I mean their offense was, I guess, not really there other than Rui and Austin. I mean, you you have LeBron for sure, but lebron was he was good for stretches but my god that 0 for 6 was bad from three yeah kept I mean, jacking up threes and yeah he he wasn't making anything and it's it's the unfortunate thing about him nowadays like especially with his injured foot he can't really get to the rim consistently and you know without with ad shooting four for 15 my god that was bad hmm. um you know like there's just not like he doesn't have much of an option other than to jack up those threes and it, they just weren't going yeah, and a little too reliant on the free throws. Then again, they do, uh, what you call it, draw a lot. So, yeah. Other than that, I did see D'Angelo's one and only free this game. Surprisingly enough, when yeah, D'Lo's been bad. Like he's he's really like he's been he's. I mean, he always has these kinds of games. We'll see what happens when they go back to LA. He's probably going to be better, but he's been bad. They hunt him on offense. And then they, yeah, they hunt him on offense. And then defensively, he's he's actually been he's actually putting in some effort, but his IQ just isn't good enough for you know a razor sharp offense like the Nuggets. And 
they're basically playing him off the floor. And yeah, Mike Mike Malone got real petty in the uh, in the press conference, basically saying like, you know, not enough people are talking about how we're able to play D'Angelo off the floor, despite him being really good in the Warriors series, which is this S tier pettiness. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how he does because, I mean, he has these type of games where. It's either you're super quiet or somehow you're super hot. <laughs> and that's unfortunately the issue with him. Like he's he's little more than a jump shot guy. He little he basically has nothing but a jump shot. He's not exactly good at getting to the rim. And when that jump shot is going, it can be beautiful. But when that jump shot is not going, he really just is worthless out there. <sighs> yeah. I at first I thought literally the first shot he makes, I'm like, oh, it might be a duo game, but yeah, slowly calm down after you see two more misses, like literally within the next few minutes. Shout out to Rui Hachimura, man. Rui Hachimura has been really good. Like eight for 10, like he was unstoppable. I think he didn't miss. I think it was seven for seven in the first half. And mm. like, yeah, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves is a damn good player. He's just good. And he's got, he's going to get the bag this summer. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt it's gonna be the Lakers, but yeah, Lakers can't pay him, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, but, but also, um, well, I mean, I'll shout, I'll shout out Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, twenty three, I think it was twenty three points in the fourth quarter, like just incredible performance. He was pretty bad before that, like taking some awful shots. Jokic had one of his least efficient games, nine for twenty one, but you know, a casual twenty three, seventeen, and twelve. <laughs> yeah. I'm just shrugging. Like that's that's a bad game for him as of late. But uh yeah, I I, I love this game. And I, I'm gonna be very interested in just how things look in LA. And tell me what you think about this adjustment. I think they should put Jokic on LeBron. Uh like in the Denver side, just play guard, guard LeBron full time. Not full time, but like literally just have him guard LeBron on, on certain possessions. I think that should be pretty much fine. I think Jokic can do that, especially since LeBron's uh, foot is, is kind of bothering him. I mean, that means more freeze uh, coming uh, the Lakers' way. And, you know, it's kind of iffy when it comes to that for LeBron. So I think that'd be pretty pretty good in terms of uh, since, you know, Jokic's defense is whatever. Yeah, I got called crazy for that. I, I understand why, like... I think conventionally, if LeBron was healthy, he would torch Jokic on that. But this is a slower LeBron. He especially he's not shooting well either. Like, he, like Joker's just gonna lay off of him. And uh yeah, I, I I think this is gonna be an interesting series. I think Nuggets take it in six. I think LA will I think LA probably wins both games at home. Yeah, I would say I'm not gonna lie, I think I can. I could see Nuggets doing it in five. Uh, very possible. I can see that. But, like, both these games have actually been really close. And, like, one or two shots, like, one or two plays the other way. Like, it could easily be 2-0 Lakers. Hmm. Yeah, I would say Lakers will take uh, tomorrow's game and uh, Nuggets will take uh, Lakers' uh, second home game and oh. will take it back at home. Also, I think they like it's it's really unfortunate that they wasted a really good AD game because like when AD dominates, he had what I think th- almost I think almost forty points uh, in game one, 
And unfortunately, they didn't win that one just because Joker was amazing and Jamal Murray was amazing. It's just like, yeah, you're just going to get these kind of Davis performances where he goes, again, four for 15 for 18 points. Mm-hmm. Granted, still the best defender on on the, on the floor. He's the best defender in the league, but some days, there's just every now and then, he just has horrible offensive games. I don't know what it is about him. Yeah, I, I think he's the type of guy that needs to get going nowadays. But <clears throat> we'll see when it comes to the Lakers home. I think he'll do well in both games at home. Yep, we'll see. It's been an entertaining series. I'm rooting for Denver in this one just because, you know, beat L.A. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's been good. Both conference finals have been incredibly interesting, incredibly fun. It's just a lot of basketball. You should watch it, Fong. <laughs> I should. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see a Denver versus Miami game if, you know, both teams uh, end up uh, going that way. That's a nightmare scenario for the NBA. <laughs> Like that is going to be a ratings down the drain type stuff. <laughs> I mean, if that were the case, I mean, who you got for those two, between those two? I think Denver. I think Denver smokes Miami. Like they they cannot run zone against Joker, and they just don't. I don't think they have enough to go up against the Nuggets. Hmm. I'm going to go root for the underdog. <laughs> to be honest, I I root for Miami, but yeah, that. If you're gonna root for them, at least watch them. <laughs> I I probably will if um when the finals comes around. It, it's also really it's it's also like a living meme where it's like expectation versus reality, expectation for the NBA, Lakers versus Celtics, you know, it's the 18th championship. Reality is Denver versus Miami. Which <laughs> we know for the nerds, like I wouldn't even say you. Um, the nerds like me and like on NBA Twitter, that's actually great. That's a great like tactical matchup because the casuals don't want that. I don't think. Hmm. Well, we'll see if they ever post ratings <laughs> during, the, uh, I guess, that time. I will say if Jimmy wins the title this year, just wow, what a story. Oh, just man. wow. Like you again, you just about lose in the play-in to to you know getting to the NBA Finals and winning the finals, and then you like one of my favorite stories in the bubble was the redemption of Jimmy Butler, a guy that had bounced around two teams, two teams that have he essentially burned bridges with that basically labeled him toxic, and then you find out he was right the whole time. He was a winner. Those team, those franchises were losers, as, as you know history has kind of played out, like. The fact that, like, you know, he was able to go to Miami and in, and take them all the way, to, like, from, like, they weren't even the playoffs the previous year, take them all the way to the finals and have an incredible performance there. And here he's repeating that performance right now. And, like, that's an incredible story. And then you add in, like, his his actual upbringing. What a, like, that is, that is some Disney shit right there. Like, <laughs> you know, that is an incredible marketing campaign. I know it'll probably sink the ratings, but you, you will have created an incredible star off of this if he wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to quickly talk about? That's all I have. Uh, that's pretty much all I have as well. I mean, we're going to go over what, three more guys uh, you said, and I already forgot the next three guys. Well, and there's going to be three more guys for next episode. I am going to add more uh, as the days go on, and you're going to have to do more research. Oh, yeah. I would do it. 
sometime uh, come on show some excitement let's talk about the draft man we got we got more options we got like we, we got wings upon wings upon wings let's see i mean how many times have we reviewed the draft to the point where none of them were actually picked well i think it only happened one time that which was Donovan. uh Day, Mitch, day no, no, we did not predict him. What are you, what are you talking about? Egan was like only one that yeah. we actually reviewed that actually got picked. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, Harry. Yeah, I don't think we've. <laughs> uh, what you want to call it? We definitely didn't do uh, Davion or Tyrese. Yeah, Tyrese. So let's see if uh, what you want to call Monty picks something that we actually reviewed. We'll see. I mean, there's all the chance in the world he just traced the pick and then this will all be for naught. But hey, it's fun to go over some draft prospects. It's good to it's good to dream. It's good to kind of like, you know, have hopes for what a guy can become. Like, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Kind oh, of. Yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you don't have anything else, let's call this an episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys back on episode 301. Yep, we'll see you guys later.